Seems like it's been a, a while since we had Sunday school. I don't know. But maybe it's just me. Acts chapter 2, verse, I'm going to read verses 41 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I know we talked a few weeks ago about verse 42, and I think it's just important, kind of the foundational items that are in verse 42. And we talked about God's word the gospel, how important it is, about fellowship, about the Lord's Supper, and, and about prayer. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about prayer. I mean, any of us that have, that have been saved for any period of time know that you just can't get by without prayer. And there's nothing like going to the Lord in prayer. I mean, there, and, and there's no way for us to build our relationship with Him without prayer. I mean, it's, it's truly is just that simple, okay? And now, I don't understand prayer, but boy, I sure am glad for it. I can tell you that. And um, so we talked about those things, and, and I thought about this early church. And you think about how, how they were, just what I read, what I just read, the things that, the, the, how they had, a, they had a desire, they had a yearning to want to please the Lord, to want to live for the Lord, because they truly loved him. I mean, and he was... Well, they loved him. And, you know, when we think about prayer, I want to go back and read Ephesians 6.18 again. I think I read it at the end last time we had class, but I want to read it again this morning because I want us to think about this because, again, I don't think we can stress enough the importance of prayer. I mean, I'm t I mean that is and not just to pray for our needs, but how important it is that we pray for each other. I mean, it's, it, and truly, when we look at this verse right here, if you look at this closely, I believe that's what Paul was trying to tell us here. In Ephesians 6, 18, he says, um, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And as I was looking over this this morning, I thought, you look at that verse, he uses the word perseverance once, and he uses the word supplication twice in one verse. And to me, that, when it says supplication, that means there's a desire. There's an earnest desire of prayer. There's an earnest desire to see action. There, I mean, there's a, there's a heartfelt, I don't know, maybe I should have jotted down some more descriptive words, but I didn't. But I mean, there's a heartfelt reason when we go to prayer, that we should go to prayer for each other. I mean, whether things are good or not, we need to pray for each other. I mean, this world that we live in, this culture, this society that we live in, we need prayer every day. We need to pray for each other every day. I'm telling you, the devil is real. 
Okay, the enemy's real, and, and he's just, and he is constantly, if you don't think he's on you, <laughs> you better pray some more, because, because he's there, trust me, he's there, and he's looking to trip us up, and to take us out, he wants nothing more than to wreak havoc in our life, and I'm telling you, we need to pray for each other, I need your prayers, I mean, and uh, we all need it, we need to pray for each other, and lift each other up, and that is what, to me, that's what Paul's trying to tell us here in this verse, he's saying we need to pray, and we need to pray intentional prayer. Maybe that's a good way to put it. We need to be intentional when we pray. And we don't, I mean, you know what I'm saying. And That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, I tell you, I've said this many times before, but I love Brother Jim Moles. I can still think back years and years ago and listening to him teach Sunday school class. And, uh, but I can remember him saying many times, the battle is in the mind. And let me tell you what, the longer we're on this way, I'm telling you what, that's true, how true that is. The battle was up here. I mean, because I told, I don't know, I, I get aggravated sometimes. I probably shouldn't, but uh, <laughs> I'm human. What can I say? And I, after Josh was preaching the other night, talking about all this, this constant stuff coming you know, around us, whether we're, whether we're looking for it whether or not, it's, there's a constant you know, inward attempt to just like push stuff at us, right, for lack of a better way of saying it. And I can't even stop and get gas out at Sissonville off Eden's Fork. I'm thinking, you know, we're, this is out in the country. I mean, I consider that out in the country. We live a little bit farther, but anyway... I can't even pull up there now and put gas in my truck without having to listen to some kind of garbage advertisement and TikTok baloney. I'm sorry. I, that, I don't know where that came from. That wasn't in my notes. But um, my point being, we need prayer every day. We need to pray for God to help us each day, to, to strengthen us, to keep our mind focused on His Word and on Him. That's really what it comes down to. And you say, well, why are you talking so much about that this morning? Well, if you turn back to Matthew chapter 26, there's a reason. Because Jesus told his disciples, and he's telling us, something very short, but very important. And this is the essence of something that all of us deal with. Matthew 26, verse 41, says this. And this is when he was in the garden. And what did he tell his disciples? He said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, but here's the thing. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is why we need to pray every day. I mean, I, I, that's my take. That's why we need to pray every day. Our flesh is inherently fallen, and it's evil, and it's wicked, because that's, that's all the thing that's in us without his spirit. And that's why we need... That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to pray for each other every day. So I think you get the point. That's right. I mean, unfortunately, we're carrying around nothing good. Other than, that's right. I mean, we're carrying around the old man, and he, he, there's nothing good in him, is there, Robert? Nothing good in the old man, okay? Nothing good. So we need, we need prayer. We need God's presence. We need his help. And we need, and again, I'm going to say it again, we need to pray for each other. 
So, um, so this early church, let me just think about this for, you know, for a minute. Back over in, back over in Acts, um, verse 42 and following where I read. And you think about the early church, and it tells us here the, some qualities and the characteristics of the early church. <laughs> Excuse me. And when we think about this, here's a couple of things. You know, I, I thought about our church when I, when I was thinking about this and, and studying it. And I thought how that we've been brought into a church with a group of people that love the Lord. And you say, well, that's pretty, that's pretty simple thought. It is, but it's inherently important. Because I believe all of us are here this morning for one reason. Because we desire to live for Him. We desire to have a relationship with Him. We desire to know more about His Word so that we can live the life He wants us to live and to serve Him. That's why we're here this morning. And because we like each other's company, I mean, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's a good thing. We like the fellowship. That's good. But first and foremost, we're here because we love Him, because of what He did for us. That's why we're here. And you think about this early church. Why were they excited? Why were they, why were they constantly praising the Lord? Why? Because they loved Him. Because they knew who He was. They had seen Him. He was a living reality to them. I mean, He had seen them in person. You think about us. He's a living reality to us if we're saved. I mean, because we, maybe I didn't have, we haven't seen Him physically, but we've felt Him and we know He's real because He's in us. Okay, if we're saved, he lives in us, and we know he's a reality to us. So when you think about, when you think about it, the early church, they did more than just praise him. And, I mean, they worked to win souls. They were working to win souls. And, but they also did more than that. And if you look at uh, Matthew 28, Jesus told them when he left, let me get back here. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach. Verse 20 says, teaching. He told them. They weren't just going out and sharing the gospel and seeking to see people saved. I mean, yeah, you, that's first and foremost, right? But not only that, they were to make disciples. They were to teach people once they got saved. They were to help them. They were to, they were to be, again, the fellowship, the, the companionship, the, the sharing of God's word. And I thought, I sat there this morning as I was going through my notes, and I thought, uh, where's Pastor Tom at this morning? Y'all help me out. He's What's he teaching? He's teaching a discipleship class. I mean, you know, and, and, and I just thought, you know, how thankful I am again to go to a church that is embracing what Jesus told the disciples to do at the early church. We are trying, striving to mirror the commission. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here this morning. And you know, how many times have we heard him say, what's the purpose of, of our, our mission here? Is to go out 
to bring men to Christ and to build Christ in men. And is that not what the early church was doing? I mean, that's, I mean the, the church has not changed. Thank the Lord he has not changed. Just because we're living in 2024 doesn't mean that we can't still keep serving the Lord just the way that he wants us to, worshiping him, gathering, and spreading the gospel just like he wants us to do. That's, what he, that's his desire for us. That was the desire of the early church, and that's still the desire. And why were they successful? Look at verse 44. It says, And all that believed were together. They were unified. They were unified because they were in the Spirit. They were in God's will. They were doing what the Lord wanted. They were unified. And if you look at 40, verse 47, the first part, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And I thought how that, you know, they were present. He was magnified. They were unified, but he was also magnified in the fact that they, were, they weren't ashamed of the gospel. They weren't ashamed of Jesus Christ. And I thought, you know what? How, how, how bold are we? We have no reason. God has given us, I thought, he has given us every luxury. I mean, pretty much known to mankind. You know, and I, we, you know, some of us, we, I mean, I'm not saying we got, well, we probably, if we're sitting here this morning, we probably got everything that we need. I mean, I don't know. I don't know everybody's personal life, and I don't need to. But God's given us, he's blessed us abundantly. And you think, if we can't serve him, and we can't magnify him, then what's the purpose? What's the purpose of coming? What's the purpose of striving? What's the purpose of telling somebody, hey, I go to church. That's great. But man, we, there ought to be, a, there ought to be a, a, a spirit, there ought to be a fire, there ought to be a desire to share with our family, with our friends, I mean, and with others. There should be, we should never be ashamed of the Lord. We should never be shy. I mean, if, what's somebody going to say? I don't, I don't think what you said is true. I don't believe you. Okay, that's fine. Does that really hurt? Maybe they'll think on it. Maybe they'll tell us that initially. Maybe they'll chew on it for a while. So anyway, but my point being, the risen Christ was a living reality to these people, you know? And I'm thinking, how much of a living reality is he to me every single day? Is he more real on Sunday than what he is during the week? You know, I mean, just think about it anyway. So, and I'm not trying to be a downer here. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, think about what he's invited us to be part of. I'm trying to say, he's, we are part of the church. The same church that started all the way back here after Pentecost, we're part of the same church. He's called us to be part of the same church. What a privilege it is. So, not only were they unified, not only were they magnified, but because they were doing God's work, Look at what it says in the last part of verse 47, and it says, And the Lord added to the church daily. Now, there's no guarantee that people are going to be saved every time we come. But that doesn't mean that we don't keep coming. That doesn't mean that we don't keep going out and knocking on doors and hanging door hangers. That doesn't mean that I don't stop, that I stop witnessing to my lost family. That doesn't... That doesn't matter. God's got a plan, and we keep doing what he wants us to do. That's what these folks did. I dare say 
they probably had some little bit of pushback too. I mean, they were living, think about this, they were in Jerusalem. They were in a Jewish culture. And this group of people that were saved, they were the only ones that believed at that time that Jesus was the Messiah. The rest of them rejected that. So think about that. Don't, I mean, there was a whole lot more non-believers, I'm sure, than there were believers, is what I'm saying. But that did not hinder the effectiveness and the power that the early church had. So, where am I at? Okay. So the early church, it was spirit-filled and with people willingly, people that willingly praised God and witnessed for the Lord. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And there was a great moving of obedience. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, well, no, let me back up. What it comes down to is realizing who he is personally. Once we realize who he really is in each one of our personal lives, then that's going to drive the obedience that he desires out of each of our lives. But until we realize who he truly is personally, we're never going to be obedient and we're never going to be the servant, I don't think, that he wants us to be. So, y'all have a comment? Y'all's awful quiet. Some of you really looking at me. But anyway, so, um, our ability is limited to us being obedient. I mean, it's that simple. So, we serve, and it's, and it's the Lord, like it says in the last verse, the Lord added to the church daily. We just do our part. We just seek to be obedient. We seek to love him, to honor him, read his word, pray. He'll take care of everything else. We just need to do what he, we just need to seek to serve him and, and show him that we love him. Right. That's it. It is. It is. And, you know, I think a lot of times, well, this is just for me, and everybody has their own problems, issues, I'll just put it that way. But there's a lot of times when I'm, I can get up in the morning and get ready to study, and he'll start on me. For whatever reason, my mind will not focus, you know? I mean, sometimes. Other, time, other mornings, it's smooth sailing, you know? I mean, I'll, but, yeah, he's there. Trust me. He's there. Whether he's pestering us or not, I'm telling you, he's there. And, he's, and his desire is to make sure that we do not succeed in trying to read God's word or try to serve him. I mean, that's just how it is. And people want to... People want to say, oh, that's kind, of, that's kind of scary stuff. No, that's reality. That's what that is. That's reality. That's, that's understanding what God's Word tells us, who He is, who God is, and where we are, and, 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 the, and what we're living in, the society that we're living in. So, all right. Any other comments? I think that's all I had there. So, all right. Let's move to chapter 3. Anybody say amen? <laughs> All right. So, kind of a shift. I mean, it's sort of a shift, but it's not. I mean, I don't know how many days after this, that the, the events of chapter 3, when we start reading about this, this lame man, about Peter and John, I mean, it may have just been a few days. I'm not sure. You know, maybe I should have studied that out a little bit better. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but I'm going to read the first three verses, and we'll... We'll start talking about that maybe a little bit. Um, so chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple 
at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. So let me just, let's just, let me kind of just talk a little bit about what Luke's telling us here and just give you some couple of thoughts maybe to maul one because we're not going to get very far here this morning. Um, but the temple, it tells us that they went up together into the temple. And this temple, from what I read, what I understand, was Herod's temple. That's what it was called because, and from what I understand, when, when Herod was king, he, the temple existed, but when he became king, he enlarged it quite a bit from what I read, from what I understand. So it was a very large, and keep in mind, a very large man-made temple. And that's kind of like what I want us to think about. So he had, he had expanded it. Ezra and Zerubbabel, based on what I read and what I studied, they were the ones that led the effort to rebuild the temple after the Babylonian captivity. And y'all can check me out. If I'm telling something wrong, you can correct me. But that's what I, that's what I read that's what, from what I studied. And then Herod expanded upon that building, okay? And just kind of hang with me here. I'm, I'm going somewhere at this. So, but Herod, this king Herod, I mean, he was a tyrant, okay? He was a tyrant. We remember, if you recall, he was the one who was king, from what I read again, when he was the one that ordered the, um, the babies to be killed, all the babies that were two years of age and under to be killed. And... You think about this time frame. We're talking about this temple, and then at the same time, we're talking about this great king. And God had given man, at this time, some great engineering knowledge. I mean, for, and, and I'll just give you a couple of examples, and we'll, and we'll quit. But, and they were able to build, to me, incredible structures, given the fact that they didn't have machinery. I mean, everything they did was, was by hand. But God had given them the knowledge and the expertise to do that. And keep in mind, it was God that gave it to him. Man was doing it, but God gave him the ability. And the temple was one of them. But another thing, if you read and think about this time period, there was a harbor called Caesarea Maritime. Okay, it's mentioned in the Bible. It was a 100-acre man-made harbor. Now, you think about that. 100 acres is a lot of ground. Okay, and you think about if they dug that, I don't know how they did it, but it was a hundred acre harbor that was made. Said it was pretty, it was large. It was, it was man-made, it was by hand. There was also an aqueduct system that fed water into the city that they had designed and built. But again, you know, you think about these things, and part of this, part of this aqueduct, from what I read, is still present today. Over 2,000 years later, there's pieces of it left. I mean, that tells you something about how well it was constructed. And so here on this day, Peter and John are at the entrance to the temple. And Luke tells us it's at the gate, beautiful. And from what I read about this gate, I mean, I was kind of, I got kind of interested about it. From what I read, it was the most expensive gate of all of the temple gates. From what I read, I'm sure they were all very nice, but this one was supposedly the most expensive. It was massive in structure, and it was covered with plates of Corinthian brass. And in this gate, 
just kind of think about this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind this thing down for the week, but um, think about this for a minute. In this gate and in this temple, the construction of it I'm talking about, we see man's ability to make beautiful things. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, man's ability to build, to create, to build physical things. But man is still a sinful, incomplete creature. And I think we can see this pictured for us here in this lame man who was brought here and he was laid at the gate every day. I mean, I don't know. He had to rely either on his family, he had to rely on his friends, whoever. He had to rely on someone to bring him there every day. And he had to rely on people who were passing by for him to even survive. And he couldn't do anything in himself to help himself. Are we not the same way today? How long ago do we, are we talking about this occurrence happening, this lame man? And we can't do anything today, folks. I'm telling you, without God's help, we're helpless. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're fortunate. The reason we're here this morning is because he's allowing us to be here this morning. That's, that's the only reason we're here. So he couldn't save himself from his condition. You know what? All of us have a condition, a spiritual condition, that we can't change on our own. And only God can change that spiritual condition. And only the power of God can save us and give us new life in him and a new eternity with him. But I kind of leave you with that thought for this week, and we'll, we're going to have to quit. So.